Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports, a World Cup edition that was originally going to be looking forward to the final two rounds and how America can fare and maybe breaking down a USA-Serbia semifinal that's now, well, a fifth to eighth place consolation game because both teams got upset. The USA fell to France 89-79. They are eliminated from the competitive part of the tournament on uh, Wednesday morning in China. It was an upset. It was a surprise. And to talk about it, to break down the whole experience in China, we've got Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports and Real GM and Celtics Blog and a few other places are regular on this podcast. How are you doing, Keith? Well, I'd be doing a lot better if we were still competitive in the World Cup. It's uh, as I was trying to explain to some folks today. It's it. I only have a few bastions of irrational fandom left, and United States and international competition is is one of them. And when that's removed, I I tend to get angry, especially when it's a competition we we should by all means win, uh, even with a lesser lesser talented roster than what we generally have. So you know, but that said, you know, other than that, I'm doing okay. Good, good. Yeah, it was a, I think for American fans, first off, it's a bit stunning every time we just see that as our sport, right? We we yeah. invented in America, we expect to dominate it, we dominated it rolling out, you know, second tier teams for so long, and eventually we started to have to send the big guns. But I think it's a combination of things going on. Part of it was, you're right, I look to me, and I've I've said this before, if the USA played France in a seven game series, I like the Americans. But France was a good team, really capable of winning one game, and they did. Yep. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. They, you know, and and I don't when I say that I'm upset and that the U.S. should have won and that this is an upset. I'm not taking anything away from France. They no. they played fantastic basketball. They played a really cohesive system on both ends of the floor. Their defense, I thought, was was great all tournament long. They've really focused on doing a lot of what the Utah Jazz does, funneling things inside to Rudy Gobert and letting him do what he does as the you know, two-time reigning defensive player of the year in the NBA, and that's protect the rim better than anybody else does. And and they, they played great in an offense. Offensively, they know who they are. They they rely heavily on Evan Fournier, and and he stepped up and made plays and has all tournament long. But but the United States still, it's you know one through twelve they've got more talent. One through five they've got more talent. It's really maybe one to one. They maybe they don't. Maybe Gobert is the best player you know on the floor today. He certainly was, I think. But but overall, this is a this is a game that the U.S. should have won. But you know all the credit in the world to France, but. Yeah, you know, the United States still should have came away with this one. 
Right. Let's start there. That this the top talent. Look, the biggest takeaway from this is simply to me. Look, obviously, we we've we've talked about it. Um, we've written about it. At NBC. Everybody's written about this. The biggest guns didn't show, and and big guns who said, you know, hey, James Harden was going to be in, then he backed out, and there were other guys. Um, you know, I don't really look. Certain guys, obviously, Paul George wasn't going to play. Um, I'm not blaming Kawhi Leonard for not going after a year of maintenance and all that. Um, I'm never going to like LeBron has done his service. I don't expect him to go, but a lot of guys chose not to go this summer looking ahead to the Olympics, which we can get to in a second. Um, We were shorter talented in terms of talent. And with that went away, the margin for error, we couldn't have Kemba going two for nine. Kemba Walker was too critical. One of the two guys on this team who could really create their own shot. And maybe Jason Tatum made a third, but two guys really who could create their own shot. Donovan Mitchell was spectacular, but they couldn't afford a Kemba Walker bad game against against France. Yeah, that's spot on. That was the the single biggest thing is there's been times in these international competitions over the years, even going back to the original Dream Team, where the defense was kind of all star game level ish, where the guys just they they weren't going to kill themselves because they knew at the end of the day they were going to be able to outscore these teams and dominate them in that fashion, and that's generally where it's been. But as you you said, that it's Kemba Walker was such an integral part of this this team and their offense, and he just couldn't get it going. He two two for nine, two for or I'm sorry, zero oh for four on three point shots, and it just wasn't enough. And and that left it all to Donovan Mitchell, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown pitched in a little bit, but. For the most part, it was the Donovan Mitchell show, and that's that's not enough anymore. We're, we're not that far ahead of these other nations anymore when we bring a lesser squad that you can get away with just kind of a half uh, performance out there. And that, that's what this ultimately was. They, they really played about two good quarters in this game. They, they played a really solid third quarter, but that fourth quarter was just a disaster, and that allowed France to pull away. And once they did, then they just kind of salted the game away from there. Yeah, Kemba Walker not hitting threes was actually a, uh, an issue because, look, what they're like you said, what they do is funnel things to Rudy Gobert. He you, the teams that gave France trouble got Gobert moving, got him out of the paint, got the ball moving, and the U.S. did that in the third. Right, the U.S. pushed the yep. pace off of misses, off of makes, off of everything. Really got out and ran didn't let the defense get set, moved the ball better, and they were able to get to the rim more because Gobert couldn't be in place, and then they hit some shots when they didn't, but that's part of it. They simply have to. I mean, Joe Harris was out there for extended stretches, and I, he was just not – He also, I think all tournament long he wasn't as effective as I would hoped he would be, but he really was not knocking anything down in this game, and that's why he's out there. I mean – He's out there to hit shots, and he was one of two from three, which I'm sorry, one of one from three. So that's just, and he had three total shot attempts. That's not enough. If he's out there, he's got to be taking those threes. They weren't moving the ball. They weren't finding him. And a French, to their credit, by the way, I think you and I will be happy once we get back into regular NBA season and we're talking to, on a podcast to to rip Frank Nikilatina about, <laughs> about about just about everything. The guy can defend though. The guy is always yeah. he can defend at the NBA level. He is long. He is athletic. He did that today. By the way, also threw in eleven points, hit a couple of key shots. You were like, "Wow, all right, it's FIBA ball. He's hitting those." Um, but he was. They, they were just they were long. Tocolo's a smart defender. They are were a very good defensive team that the U.S. didn't quite figure out well enough. And on the flip side, the U.S. 
really did not defend the pick and roll well at all. This like they hadn't seen a lot of it. They'd been adjusting better to zones and ball motion offenses. And here comes a team that runs a very American style and they were not handling it well. Yeah, it was a problem all tournament long. It was yep. now part of that is this is the, these national teams for these other countries. These guys, France is a great example. The core of this team has been together. I believe it's for about four or five seasons now. So they are really, although they're not together like an NBA roster is together for 82 games a year, that they, they are still together quite a bit and they know how to play together. The U.S. comes together a month out of the tournament starting and that's even yeah. then it's really only about two weeks out as the roster comes together and they but they, it was an example i saw a lot of people tweet this and it's something like that i really kind of think i agree with is it was an example of a team versus a bunch of individuals and that really showed yeah. up you i think at times to 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 uh, signal them out. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown were fantastic individual defenders, but the United States team defense wasn't very good. And there were times where even those yep. two, while their individual defense was good in the team scheme, it wasn't great. And that was part of the problem. And and then on the offensive end, you mentioned the teams that were able to get Gobert on the move, get him in foul trouble, pull him away from the rim. I thought this was a tailor-made game for Brooke Lopez. And if this is yep. a, not the game where you're going to play him, why is he even on the roster then? It doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He only played four and a half minutes. He missed a couple couple of three pointers, and then he was immediately pulled out of the game and never saw the floor again. And that's just you know at this point it's then you know you on a twelve man roster in a tournament format you can't have players on the roster that aren't useful, and that really you yeah. know became a problem overall to the United States. They kind of adopted a little bit of Spurs uh, philosophy under Greg Popovich where they didn't take a lot of three-pointers. They took 20 tonight, nope. but some of those, I want to say four or five of those came in the last two minutes when they were kind of throwing those those up at the rim as they were in Hail Mary mode. And that that's not really how we play. And this roster was built, I think, to you know emphasize and take a lot of three-point shots, and they just didn't get, a, get them up on the glass tonight. No. Uh, and by the way, you were talking about players who weren't there, and obviously we talked, yeah, hey, it would have been great if they had um, James Harden or, or even Damian Lillard or some of these guys that, that would have certainly helped. And and I, I look, the simple argument is that if, if Donovan Mitchell is no longer your – and Campbell Walker are, are your third and fourth best scorers instead of your first and second, this is a much better team. Yeah. But even some of the guys who are out late and – the U.S. allowed guys to leave with an injury excuse, and so I'm hesitant to say how well whether they whether they would have made the squad or whether they would have been you know how that would have gone down. They allowed them to walk away. They really could have used PJ Tucker. Yeah, they really could have used what PJ Tucker <clears throat> brings in this game in terms of defense and physicality, in terms of stretching the floor from the corners and some of the stuff he does. By the way, the other guy, I just, I and I, you know, again. I, I'm not going to speculate on exactly what happened here, even though I might have some ideas. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go public to, to me, De'Aaron Fox not being on the roster for a team that wanted to push the pace. Didn't make a ton of sense. Like I just, I wanted him out there to, to run. Uh, I know that they were deep in the guard spot, but man, that guy just changes. We've seen it with the Kings. That guy just changes games with his tempo. And they really could have used him as a, a secondary guard who changed things. They didn't have him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Fox is the guy who stands out most to me, especially in the close game against Turkey and then this game against France. There were portions where you wanted to speed the game up. And that can be hard to do at the international level. The the refereeing is very different. They're not going to necessarily allow it to be played that way a lot of times. It's shorter quarters, yeah. which I know that sounds weird, but but it is a factor in the games. But but yeah, not having having uh De'Aaron Fox there, I think is you know, that that was tough on, on this team. And I, then I get a kind of wonder. If you're a guy like De'Aaron Fox, whether I'm going to assume he walked away and it was all on the up and up and there was, you know, everything was okay. But what I have to wonder is he was obviously on the roster bubble at least to make this team. What happens when, you know, maybe a, you know, James Harden, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, or a Steph Curry want to play. Now you're talking, like you said, Mitchell and Walker become your third, fourth guards. They get bumped down. Now you got to start to wonder, did you miss miss your shot here? But but to, it, to me, it leads to a bigger thing where it's I, a lot of people came at me on Twitter today because I was very clearly upset. I, again, I don't like when we lose in international competition. It, it makes me upset, especially when we should win. It is there were a lot of people. It's only the World Cup. Who cares? Well, that's not then then why do we even bother then then if that's gonna be the case just send a bunch of college kids send the g league guys who who are the ones who qualified for this in the first place if if that's the kind of attitude we're gonna have do that and then we can all adjust expectations and go from there it's not you know and i a lot of people oh i didn't expect us to win really a a team with walker and mitchell and tatum and brown and turner and lopez middleton like come on we we all expected the united states would still win they were still heavy favorites to win and you know here here we are now and they're they're out in the quarterfinals this isn't even isn't even getting knocked out in the semifinals this is you know as you said at the jump we're going to be playing in the fifth through eighth place classification rounds here and it wouldn't surprise me if serbia comes out and beat beats the u.s because for the u.s it doesn't really matter if you finish in fifth or eighth because it's all it doesn't matter now right you're out it doesn't really matter for teams like serbia it's still a win against the united states and i think they're gonna come hard and i don't know how much the u.s is gonna have we we now know marcus smart's not gonna play for the rest of the tournament I don't know if we'll see Jason Tatum again. We we know he's at least uh, somewhat banged up with a sprained ankle as he wasn't able to play again today. Now you start to wonder how much is the U.S. really going to push to try and get this win? Or is it just a let's get out of here, let's get back to the United States, take a week or two off before training camp and hopefully be as healthy as we can be? Yeah, I agree. By the way, I I don't. I, let's put it this way: I'm not waking up at 4 a.m. West Coast time to watch <laughs> that one. Um, I, I did this morning, and I will not be doing that for for this game yeah, on, against Serbia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, by the way, with the guys bowing out, part of this comes back to FIBA. Mm-hmm. Part of this comes back to FIBA's, and I, I wrote about this today on the three takeaways. Part of this was, and I think part of the problems with the tournament on a whole come back to FIBA's desire to make this the their world cup the equivalent of the soccer world cup the, the event where not only is it a cash cow by the way it's an event where the world stops to watch right it is even in here in the united states where soccer is we didn't have a team in it last time the americans you didn't know. qualify and it was still talked about all the time and it was on tv and, and the world and the rest of the world just stops to watch it so they're trying to do that so they switched to qualifying around put it during tournament during the regular seasons of the sports, which again, soccer, this starting this weekend, there is an international break. The U S uh, played 
you know, and tied Honduras last night. And, and there's an international break for uh, European qualifying stuff this weekend. Then they'll get back to their league tournaments. The NBA and those, you know, look, all the peak European leagues, the EuroLeague teams, they weren't doing that. No. Nobody was getting free. Yeah. Nobody was getting out. So we send a G League team that's able to qualify. But Slovenia, the reigning Euro, you know, European basketball champions are not there. Yeah. Because they couldn't get guys free. And this is a team that would have Goran Dragic and probably Luka Doncic. Not there. They're not there playing. Uh, So I think it hurt the quality of the tournament. The other thing that really hurt it, they didn't want, it used to be in, you know, the, the two years between the Summer Olympics. So it would have been a 2018 event, except that's the summer when the actual soccer World Cup happens. Again, the world stops for that. So they didn't want to be at the same year. They didn't want to be overshadowed like that. They move it to 2019 when they've got the stage theoretically more to themselves, except they did two things. A, by putting it there and then having the Olympics the next year, a lot of those players, this is a, if you join Team USA, it's a five, six week commitment. A lot of guys were like, man, two summers in a row? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And if they're going to choose, they're going to choose the Olympics, right? I mean, yep. it, the, for an American player, it is still the Olympics or the gold standard. That's the, not only the medal, that's the medal you want to have. It's the thing you grew up caring about. It's also, by the way, the bigger marketing platform um, through the United States and parts of the world. So it's a huge deal for Americans. They're going to choose the Olympics. And they looked at those two summers around and went, nope. And then this one, by the way, I mean, like you said before, these guys are going to go home. They're going to have a week or two off. And depending on if their team goes to China or India to play this summer uh, or during spring training, uh, spring training, during training camp, um, they're, they're simply, you know, like these guys are like, I don't know, man. It goes right up against camp. I'll just do the, you know, I think if you're a guy who knows that they would take you uh, again, the James Harden's, the Anthony Davis's, the Donovan Mitchell's, I mean, not Donovan, well, Donovan Mitchell can probably go if he wants, uh, Damian Lillard. They were just like, yeah, if I get to choose, I'm choosing the Olympics. Yep. And I think that that really ended up in the end hurting the U.S. roster. But there, FIBA just hurt the tournament as a whole because not all it wasn't it wasn't just Americans, by the way. I mean, Nikola Mirotic wasn't there. For, there are other players who didn't show up because of this. Yeah, I think FIBA needs to recognize they're never going to be as big as a soccer World Cup. It's just, it's not going to happen. That has all the history. Yeah. It's been around forever. Really, really, as you said, the the sporting world to some extent comes to a stop. The soccer world certainly does. Even, you know, in the qualifiers, they all take breaks. They, they shut down their national leagues. That's never going to happen. You know, whether that be the NBA or the big European leagues or even in China, they're, they're just not going to do that. They're going to, you know, say, hey, it's, you know, you get who you can get. And that that is going to cost you, you know, that, that you're exactly right. That is part of why Slovenia got upset and, and didn't make it uh, this far. And then, you know, they, they, the other thing is some of the teams see the World Cup, the basketball World Cup as the because qualifying uh, spots are at stake. They see that as well. That's part of how you qualify for the Olympics. And you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's all some of these nations care about. With, with this, is getting in there and doing enough to get into the Olympics. So, which again, that that's fine for a lot of these other countries. For excuse me, for a country like Poland, for example. They should be yep. wildly excited about what they were able to accomplish. And Mike Taylor, who I've met several times uh, in Las Vegas over the last uh, few summers, fantastic guy. What a great job he's done with that program to build them up to the point where they're even in the quarterfinals. <clears throat> they should be very, very excited. 
But for the U.S., for Serbia, they should be disappointed because this is not what you went there to do. Now, I don't blame guys like you, like we talked about, James Harden, Damian Lillard, for example, those guys for saying, I'm just not going to do it because, yeah, I'm going to play right up until we get yo started for the training camp. I'm going to be able to come back, put my feet up for a week or so, and then right into the NBA grind. And that's not going to stop for those teams, hopefully right until June there, there a couple of those guys are on you know, legitimate finals contenders. And then you have the added factor of this year, half the league changed rosters. So guys yep. are, I'd rather spend this time in September really starting right about now. Cause it's about two weeks out or so from camp Everybody's going to be filtering back into their facilities and the like, and I'd rather spend the time there with the guys getting to know each other, getting that jump on the season. And then I'm going to play all the way into June, put my feet up for a week or two, and then right back into USA basketball again as we get ready for the Olympics. The World Cup should be in the even year opposite the Olympics. That that should be change number one. I'd love to see FIFA and FIBA and the Olympic Committee get together somehow and figure it out where we have a big tentpole event every every year in the four-year cycle. So Olympics, uh, Soccer World Cup for the men, uh, FIBA Basketball World Cup, Soccer World Cup for the women, repeat. I, maybe that's not the exact cycle, but something like that. Just as a sports fan, I, I want that because I, I like baseball quite a bit, but when it's the only thing in the summertime, man, do I get bored. So I want <laughs> I want one of these events. But the other piece is it shouldn't be so late. There is absolutely no reason this thing needed to start in the you know middle or really the end of August and lead right up to NBA training camp. Now, FIBA and the NBA do each other favors like, you know, uh, um, you know, I don't know. I can't. The Hatfields and McCoys, I guess, is the best example I can yeah. come up with. It's not too controversial. They don't really care for each other and they're not going to help each other out unless they absolutely have to. So so that's the challenge. But again, the NBA and the basketball world dominates the NBA world. And and then the other piece of it, too, is why guys didn't go is it was halfway around the world. We have all these statistics yep. of the teams that go over to China, Japan or Australia, and then they come back and they're just not not ready at the beginning of the year like they hope to be They They generally it generally cost those teams two or three wins. I, I want to say it was maybe Matt Moore from the Action Network who was tweeting. Yes, about it was him. him. Yeah. yeah. And, and spot on. Those teams generally lose. And, and for a team like the Lakers ton of roster turnover and some of their big guys and um, LeBron and Anthony Davis, for example, didn't play. And a big chunk of that is roster turnover. And they're already going to China anyway in in the preseason. So they're not going to do that twice. They're not going to go turn around, come home for a week and turn around and go right back. So that, that becomes, you know, an, another part of the, the issue. It's, it's something that, you know, we want the best players in the world there. Now, all that said, I'm not going to give every, the United States a complete out because Rudy Gobert was there. Evan Fournier was there. Nikola Jokic is there. Uh, Patty Mills, Aaron Baines, tons of other NBA players are there for their countries. It really comes down to, I think, in the United States, when you get, if LeBron says, ah, you guys are all right without me this time. I don't need to go. Yes, he's absolutely right. But when it's LeBron and then 10 to 15 to 20 other guys have that same attitude, that's when we get in trouble. and That's when we get upset. Exactly. Um, and I'm trying to look up Matt's, uh, oh, here it is since 2007 for the, the, for, we mentioned this, Matt Moore from the action network wrote this since 2007, the record for under on team win totals for teams that go to China in the preseason 
15, 8, and 1. So 62.5% of the time, they are they lose more games than expected. Since 2013, it's 10, 3, and 1, 71% of the time. And I'll just say, speaking with um, a couple of people from different teams that have made that trip, they will tell you it takes anywhere from two weeks to a month after you get back to actually get back in a rhythm. It just throws your whole it throws everything off. You you get out of your rhythm. You get out of your um, NBA players are creatures of routine by the time they get back. And it just, they lost a little bit and it slows them. And like you said, it costs them usually a couple of wins during the season. And maybe that's a sacrifice some teams can make and you know, Houston can make that. And they're still going to make the playoffs because yeah. they've got Harden and Westbrook, but it absolutely does impact um, all that. You mentioned, though, guys playing together from these other countries. I think that was one of the things, if you're looking for silver linings out of this as a USA fan, you are, you write for Celtics blog. I was, when they were in LA, I went up to Jason Tatum at one point. I'm like, hey, you know, having four Celtics on this team, is that going to help your chemistry going into the season? Is that going to be, you know, how is that going to boost you guys? And he goes, well, it can't hurt. (laughs) Kemba was also kind of tried to dodge that a little bit but I don't think there's any getting around it that just playing together for those guys and getting to know each other and getting to getting to know each other on and off the court is going to be big for them come come the season yeah I in general I want to believe that it can't now, one of the things is Boston also had uh, Vincent, Vincent Pare and yep. um, and Daniel Tice, both also playing in this tournament, uh, 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 Pare for uh, for France and uh, Tice for Germany. So that's six of their, their 15, 17 guys, if you count the two-way guys, that are are basically away right now. They're, they're all in China playing. And now those guys will, will all be able to all get back together at the end of the month here when training camp starts and, and get going. So in general, I believe it can't hurt. I, I'm, I'm a little cautious of saying, Oh, it's this amazing team building. It's at the end of the day, it's four guys. It's, it's, yeah. you know, a quarter of the roster. It's not like it's, you know, everybody. So, so I, I struggle a bit with, with that, I think, you know, but on the, on that flip side, then when I see, the fact that the four of them seemed like they were almost constantly together over in, you know, China. And yeah. then when together in Australia, they seem like four guys who really enjoy being around each other. I do think that that is going to help. And then on top of that, outside of today's struggles, they all played pretty well uh, did, yep. during the course of this tournament. Tatum only got two games, didn't shoot it well, but he did a lot of other things. I think Brown and Smart were two of the better if not the best defensive players the team had and up until today Kemba Walker had been the team's best offensive player by you know a pretty healthy margin so I think you know the fact that they played and played well has been really important I I will say this too having seen them in person you know out here in LA and gone to the game against Spain which was the one real you know I say the one real preseason test I guess the games in Australia certainly turned out to be um FIBA Patty Mills is a magical, magical thing, it turns out. Um, Doesn't he, by the way, just, I think he's going to be tournament MVP. I got a feeling that he's going to be FIBA World Cup MVP when this is over. He's been so good. I think it's going to depend on who wins out of them and maybe um, France, because I think Fournier has a shot too. 
So yeah, I, think he I would been agree. Really, really good as well. And I think you know maybe Gobert gets in there if he's he you know is good and they, you know I think it's going to probably depend a lot. But but I think you know I don't even know if they do like an all tournament team. But if they do, I definitely Patty Mills is first team all tournament team. Yeah. He is just he's one of those guys. That I think the more interesting conversation we don't have to have a you know super long debate on it is is at what point do you have to start to look at Patty Mills' international body of work combined with what's probably going to be a 10 to 12-year NBA career and start to look at it and say, does this guy start to warrant Hall of Fame consideration? Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Patty Mills, like, what are you talking about? He's just a role player. And that that is very true, but that's in the NBA. It is the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's why, you know, Manu Ginobili, who, you know, which also probably just earned it off his great NBA career as well. But that's a big chunk yeah. of why he was a no-brainer. The, the team, the the international stuff does count in there. And I think Patty Mills is going to be somebody people are going to have to look at and at least consider on that respect. Yeah, and those those Argentinian teams did win, uh, the won the gold the year the U.S. did not. So I think that if you see Australia sneak in and get the gold, that really does help. I think boost the Patty Mills argument because he is yep. he is a a different player in FIBA ball. He is he's so important to what's going on with the Boomers, and they 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 they're played well. But back to uh, what I was saying about the guys from Boston, man, I, I have to say I like the way Jalen Brown in this tournament, and then Jason Tatum against Spain. They're not hesitating anymore. There there didn't seem to be the the I'm not sure what to do moments in their game. I mean, Tatum Tatum always seems to play a little bit at his own pace. He's never seems rushed, but they weren't hesitating. They weren't attacking. They didn't seem to be over or they were attacking. They didn't seem to be overthinking everything again, um, which I thought was a really good sign for them. And the other thing is just, you know, this becomes a chemistry thing and it compares to uh, uh, the guy who's gone now, a guy who shall not be mentioned at Kyrie Irving, you know, Kemba Walker's leadership style is very much a put your arm around you. We're going to run together. Let's do this as a unit type of leadership that I think is going to sit a little bit better. Well, with these guys and sit better with them. And that's a, you know, that's something I think those guys started to experience in, in this tournament and the run up to it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I have said this really since the off season uh, came together and we saw what the follow was going to be that in a vacuum, Kyrie Irving is a better player than Kemba Walker. I don't think there's any question about that, but fit and chemistry do matter. And I think Kemba Walker is a far better fit for this Celtics team. And I think as he ages, he will continue to, to be a better fit. I think what you look at with a guy like Kyrie, Kyrie is used to having the ball in his hands. He's not a great off the ball player. He never no. really has been in his career. And that, that's not a, it's not a huge criticism because he's, so great with the ball so you want him you don't want him standing in the corner but Kemba over the years really over the last three four years has become a really good off the ball guy they they started doing a lot of dual point guard lineups over the last few years in Charlotte started really with Steve Clifford and then James Borrego used it as well where Kemba was more or less the, the two guard the off guard the shooting guard he was the guy who was flying around and coming off screens and the like and I think that's going to be really big for him because I think that's how Boston's going to function. I think you're going to see almost the primary playmaker for the Celtics this year be Gordon Hayward. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to initiate a lot of the offense and do a lot of the setting up for Kemba and then Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And as far as, you know, let's go to Brown. 
I thought he was on the attack almost every time he came in. He really seemed to figure something out last year, uh, midway through the season, where he was like, you know what? It's bench start, doesn't matter. I'm coming out like I'm shot out of a cannon and off I go. And that really works for him. Marcus Smart, again, aggressive. He, he always is defensively, but I thought he did some really nice things as a playmaker at times. And then Tatum in the games where he played, I think what he showed off most was his passing. And all three of those latter guys, their ability to defend much bigger players is so huge for the Celtics because they, they're a team that projects to play small quite a bit. They're probably going to play one true big and then a bunch of wings and guards around around that big. And that's going to be important that guys like Tatum, Brown, and Smart can really defend uh, up a position or even a position or two or maybe even three at times. And there was times throughout this game where the primary defenders on Rudy Gobert were Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart which is sounds ridiculous, but they held their own and did quite well. And I think if you're Brad Stevens, you have to be looking at it and say, all right, I got some stuff here that I can incorporate when the guys get back in a couple of weeks as we start to build things forward for the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. I think that those guys stood out. I think the one other guy that's kind of an obvious, like, wow, this was really good for him is Donovan Mitchell, right? I mean, he's, yeah. And Quinn Snyder said this, uh, not to be, and I'm going to forget who he said it to. Somebody interviewed him, one of the jazz writers, um, about you know sending him and sending Gobert. Um, and he's like, in, in Mitchell's case, he's like, man, I want him to play for Popovich. I want him to go soak up all that knowledge and get the leadership experience and be put in this situation because it's just going to be good for us. And I think he did grow a lot as a leader. They, you could see that they were trusting him more in that role. Uh, and hey, in the on the in the biggest stage uh, when you know, they lose, he was the guy who had twenty nine. And no, he didn't get any shots in the fourth quarter because, well, maybe he could have been more aggressive. But they also seemed to go away with him. I mean, well, good lord, we're running Harrison Barnes yeah. post up on Nikolatina. I just when Harrison Barnes was posting up Nikolatina, I'm like, well, this is doomed. Not because he couldn't get around him, because because as soon as you do, Gobert comes over and Barnes just isn't going to make the right play. And of course, and I don't want. By the way, I don't think Barnes was terrible in this, this tournament. I, I thought you know, forced to play some five. I thought he did fine when they went small. I don't think he was a bad player at all. But the, I thought for Donovan Mitchell that this was a step forward for him, and this is why. Look, in our fifty best in five years process we did this summer with uh, projecting the 50 best players in five years um, in, in the world. We had, by the way, as speaking of just going off a, tan a brief tangent on that, when we did that, three of those top five players are not American. Three of the top four players are not Americans. So I think that speaks to where the world is catching up. But yeah. we had Mitchell one spot ahead of Ben Simmons on that list, uh, both, I think seven and eight, if I remember eight and nine, seven and eight, I think they're, they're two guys that are linked a little bit together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But Mitchell to me, here's the thing. Do I think Ben Simmons could theoretically be a better player just because of his height and then the, the sure. gifts he has? Yes. He yep. does not have a jump shot. Do I think Donovan Mitchell is more likely to, he has the work ethic and the drive to maximize everything he's got. And I trust him to do that and be a leader that could take a team farther than I'm trusting Ben Simmons to do right now. I think that that was kind of, I mean, we're splitting hairs, but to me that was the difference between them. And I got a lot of like Ben Simmons people in my, in my thing, like, how could you do this? And how could you put Ben Simmons up there? I really enjoyed the guy who told me that Donovan Mitchell can't shoot. I'm like, he shot 67% from uh, 36% from three last year. Like 
he can knock down shots, but I think his leadership took a step forward. And that's why one of the reasons I like, I think we all like Utah. I think we all like what Utah did this summer. You know, um, that's a team with Joe Ingles and now Bogdanovich and, you know, obviously uh, Conley. I just, they're going to be a system team with a lot of guys who can play really well within that system. And they're going to rack up a whole lot of regular season wins, whether that's what they can do in the postseason, We'll see, but man, I, I think this was really good for him. Yeah, I agree. I had been a little bit critical of him leading up to today where I said, you know, I expected more and that's not that he wasn't playing. Well, I just expected more. I thought, I thought going in, I, I really thought Kemba Walker was going to play more of a, uh, playmaker role kind of a i'll set the offense and spot up kind of guy we we it's rare that you see the best player on the team necessarily be the team's leading scorer or go-to guy that goes all the way back to the original dream team michael jordan didn't lead that team in scoring and i think people you know forget that 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 was you know charles barkley's and some of that though was jordan basically saying i, I don't need to and i thought that was going to be mitchell's role i thought he was going to be the guy who was going to step up and be be the big time scorer and that and he had left he had struggled some in that now i thought his playmaking and his defense were pretty good most of the time but it was just i wanted more and today he really gave that to us i thought you know without him that's not even a game it's it's a you know complete blowout for france and you know and i think that was a failing of today's game they went away from him uh, in the fourth quarter, I thought he sat on the bench for too long in the fourth quarter. And, you yep. know, uh, let, let, let me be the one who dares to criticize Pop and his his coaching. But I thought he made some really curious coaching decisions today. I thought he left Brown and Smart, who were his two best defenders, and it really helped get them back into the game, yep. along with Mitchell on the bench for far too long in the fourth quarter. He didn't go back to those guys until there was, I think, he, by the time those three were in the game together, I want to say there was just over three minutes left. And that's when it was already in danger time. And I thought, you know, again, to go back to it, not playing Lopez really at all, I they didn't really get that. I, I thought thought you could have done some some things there, but it's you know, it, it you know, again, I don't want to make it too much about that because then it's gonna come back of like you're not giving France any credit. But yeah, Mitchell, I'm happy to see him step forward. And we've seen guys do this, right? They use the the big summer with the national team as a springboard into something big. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Donovan Mitchell is pushing for an all-star game, if he's, you know, pushing to be a, uh, you know, potential all NBA guy, if Utah's really, really successful, his challenge is just the depth along the guard line and the NBA no especially, and in the Western conference. It's just so ridiculous. It's going to be hard to, to crack that unless you are truly one of the top, you know, uh, five to ten guards in the entire league, uh, you're you're gonna have a hard time break, breaking in there just because there's so many good guards right now. Yeah, you you, you catch I don't want to say catch a break, but you know, Clay Thompson will not be an All Star this year. I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of space, but it's still the West is just so deep with guards, and and the NBA yeah. right now in general is you know, Bradley Beal had a spectacular year, and he's seventh in All NBA voting. Um frankly behind Kemba and for a reason because it was so so many good players um guys who didn't stand out I think my list I mean you mentioned Brooke Lopez I thought Miles Turner did okay but the topping my list I just I thought I thought we'd get more out of Middleton I I thought he would play a bigger role and and just um he did not seem to find his fit I thought he'd be the uh, kind of glue guy they'd lean on a lot and he just it, I, maybe he could have been that guy if he hit some shots, but man, he just could, could not find the basket in this thing. So, 
Yeah, um, it was a real struggle for him. And he was one of the guys, if I remember correctly, who was – he talked a lot about the ball. And I know a lot of these guys hate yes, the ball. they hate the and, ball. And, and I just don't know that – maybe he never adjusted to it. It just – his shot was off. Now, I'm I'm very jaded by covering two years of playoff series against the Celtics where he still hasn't missed many shots. Um, and, you know, in the course of yeah. those uh, – what was it, 12 games over two years, he, he just never really seemed to miss. So, so I just kind of have that – that's my lasting image with Chris Middleton. But yeah, he shot a, he, under 38% for the tournament in six games. And yeah. that's just not good enough. You know, we, we definitely needed more out of him. I th- think those kind of mid-range veteran guys, him, Lopez, Turner, those were the guys who needed to step forward and help carry some of these these young guys. And the only veteran who really stepped up was Walker. Barnes was yep. okay at times, and as you said, you know, asked to play a lot of a lot at the five, and and I thought he you know did did as well well as he could there. Guy guy who to to me I just I didn't get, and I felt like there was a lot of them today was Derek White. I, I yep. you know it, and that's you know this guy had such a good season this past year and I thought you know really a breakout year but I just you know and I, and I think there was probably Pop has a comfort level with him because that's his guy but I was really you know worried about him and the Miles Turner at times especially offensively yep. I felt like just just wasn't really there so it's just you know all, all around it's you know one of those things where you look at it and it's it's you know it's funny because I do go back to those to those people who they're absolutely right who said hey you lost now all the best guys are going to come and you're going to beat everybody by four. 40 points or more in the Olympics. And it's, yeah, that, that's true. But again, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I root passionately for, for my country as I feel everybody should. And when we lose one, I just, I, I don't handle it well. <laughs> yeah. Miles Turner had a really good game against Greece. Yep. Dewey was going up against Gobert and started talking um, too much about a little too much about this. And I'm like, I'm a Miles Turner guy, but he's not physical. If you're going to knock him right now, uh, I mean, I don't know that he created enough offense, but more than that, he's just not a physical enough defender. That remains the hole in his game. And that's good that, you know, we could discuss how that could be an issue for Indiana in a league with um, not only Rudy Gobert, but I mean, <laughs> that that other good team in the East in Philly has a pretty physical center um, yep. that, that could be an issue. So I, I think, you know, I think we saw some of his limitations or he did at least, and maybe where he needs to go to take that next step. If he, if he wants to challenge Anthony Davis now, I guess for a defensive player of the year, which uh, he absolutely, when I talked to miles Turner in, uh, in Los Angeles with team USA and I, we were talking again because he was in our 50 and five, um, you know, top 50 and five. Cause I think in five years, he's going to be still an improved um, center he said defensive player of the year was absolutely one of his goals and he wanted to win it no matter what. Um, I, I think at all costs was how he phrased it. Uh, he's going to have to take some step forwards. He's going to have to find a way to, it's not just blocking shots. Uh, um, you're going to have to be able to body some big guys. And uh, he, he struggled with that today. The USA as a team didn't rotate. Well, that, uh, that pick and roll with Fournier and uh, Gobert, the Lake, the, 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 Lakers, the uh, team USA could not figure out for the life of them. Gobert played well inside. Fournier just tore him up and it was a mess. Um, And a a frustrating one. I, I, with Miles Turner too, I looked at this summer as being one of those opportunities where I thought we would come out of this and say, yeah, Miles Turner's putting together that all-star case. This is going to be an all-star season for him. And now I'm looking at it and saying, I guess he's just, you know, he's going to be back to being, uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth best 
center in in the Eastern I, Conference, and you know, which is is fine. You know, that's not not a problem. But I think that Indiana team needs more from him this year. Victor Oladipo is not going to be ready to go until you know some point. I'm assuming around the holidays is probably likely when we see him back and ready yep. to go. And they they need more out of Turner. And then they the one one to give you know another shout out, Nando Decolo. This guy should be in the yes. NBA. Yes. It's ridiculous that he couldn't find a deal. It's as, as far as I understand it, the only offers he had in the NBA for were for deals that were slightly above the minimum, which the Raptors absolutely would have matched because they still have his restricted free agent rights. So that that's also a complicating factor. But it's this guy's an NBA high end NBA backup point guard at the very least, if not a you know low to mid range starting point guard and he at times he chewed up the united states and you know in pick yep. and roll he didn't start but as soon as he came in he you know went right to work and that's you know something that they're gonna have to figure out it it gave me you know to go all the way back to to one of the last disappointments it gave me you know those scary uh flashbacks to when um uh, vasilis spinoulis was chewing him up with grease yep that that year in the olympics and was killing him so it's you know but you know, it'll be better and we, we know what's going to happen, you know, a year from now and, yep. you know, in, in, uh, in Japan for the Olympics and they're, they're going to absolutely roll. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's what will happen. If somebody will step up and be Marcus Smart tried to do it this year, but I you know, I think back to Kobe 2008 when he goes to Krzyzewski and goes, I don't care about scoring. I want to defend their best player every night and lock them down, which Kobe at that point in his career could do. Um, <laughs> the 2008 Kobe could still do that. Um, Somebody will come forward, if whether it's Kawhi or somebody else, somebody will step forward for Team USA and do that next year. And uh, like you said, I think that the USA will be heavy favorites going into the Olympics next year because we qualified. The U.S. did do that, and they will bring a loaded squad for uh, for Tokyo in a year. And uh, we will talk about it then, Keith. Um, we will, uh, you and I will get together over sushi, and we will discuss. <laughs> um, we'll discuss it then, man. Thanks again for doing this. Uh, where, uh, what have you got coming up and where can everybody find your work? I imagine you're working on a ton of season preview stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what, what we have going on. My writing's been a little light lately. It's uh, just we, we've been kind of I've been stockpiling things, I guess. So so, so all of a sudden it's going to be like this avalanche. We've got season previews coming on at Real GM. I have some fun pieces in the work over at Yahoo Sports. It's going to one of the things is going to be um, things that we learned from this summer and identifying what are trends or what are just it was just a weird summer. And this is a one year thing. So so a lot of different things as far as all based around how did teams go about constructing their roster so i'm really excited to dive into that and then we'll, we over at the nba front office show we are doing our um season preview podcast see uh, off season review season preview we combine them all together so so my co-host trevor lane over there we're we're doing that we're having a lot of fun we had to take a week off because unfortunately i had hurricane dorian to deal with and you know thankfully amounted to nothing more than a thunderstorm for us here in central florida thankfully you know all the best to all the folks who were affected far far more than that but but we we took a week off because i was i was uh, trapped at my full-time job uh to, making sure things were ready to go there so yeah we're we're super excited to get into it i can't you know we're, we're almost there we're uh what are we a little uh, two and a half weeks out from the first preseason game it's you know i yep. can't wait for that so we're almost there yep and again uh We'll be starting on the September 23rd at NBC Sports with a long list, a month-long preview story a day at least, uh, running up into the start of the season and some interesting topics that we've tried to approach, including, I think one of my favorites so far, 
the West is more wide open. The West is going to be a bloodbath this year. Does that mean whoever comes out of the East has a better shot at the title? Uh, That's interesting. It's an interesting topic. We'll get into all that. We will have Keith on plenty this season is uh, we're going to take one week off from the podcast and starting the 23rd, we're going to start looking at previews and welcoming people in and uh, uh, previewing teams and conferences and all sorts of stuff with people from around the NBA. So uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, talking world cup with us. We'll be back with NBA stuff in a couple of weeks uh, here at the pro basketball talk podcast at NBC sports. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.